Greetings and felicitations. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Thank you for sticking around for another episode. I really do appreciate all three of you that listen to my show. If it is three of you, it might be just two of you that one of you listens to it twice. I don't know. But I do appreciate the fact that you're listening. Uh, Paul, we got a very interesting episode. Uh, we're going to talk about the Queen passing. We're going to talk about getting scammed. I got scammed on Friday. Uh, and we're coming up on 9-11. So we're going to talk a little bit about that too. Because it's been 21 years since America was whooped. Sucker Punch came flying out of the back and took out uh, the World Trade Centers, the Pentagon, and 3,000 innocent people. We're going to talk about that and where we're at 21 years later. And see what else we can delve into. Uh, like I said, we're going to delve into my... Uh, oh, yeah, and the fight. The fight I'm, I'm assuming it's now over because uh, I had the big talk with the people that matter, which are the doctors, and uh, we'll go into that, too. All right. I'm going to leave you with Billy Preston, and we'll get back to it in just a little bit. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Thank you for sticking around. Well, if you know who that was, that was Mickey, the trainer of Rocky. And this is going to be the last round for me when it comes to my big brawl. I've been telling you about this for the past couple of episodes. And it came to a head on Friday. Friday was a bad day for me. And we're, we'll, we'll figure out why. I'm going to tell you what else happened to me on Friday. Well, Friday, the doctor was making his rounds, and I found out that they ratted me out to the doctor. They told him what had happened between me and this other idiot, and the doctor read me the riot act and told me I shouldn't be threatening people or threatening to kill them. That's a good way to get kicked out of the clinic, and yada, yada, yada. I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on. I never threatened this guy with death. You know, I told the guy to grow eyes in the back of his head, but that doesn't mean I was going to kill him. I was going to get him street style, you know. I was going to get him back at my leisure. And I agreed to chill out. The doctor asked me, you know, just to play nice. And I said, I play nice with everybody. You can ask anybody here who, who doesn't play nice, who doesn't go to bat for him. That's me, you know. Now, when this guy came along and crossed my path, it wasn't a good deal. 
you know, and I don't appreciate somebody lying out of turn to make himself look better. Like he's there, like he's white. He's the white guy, so I'm the one that's right. No, that doesn't work in my book. There are two sides to every story, and I understood the doctor's point. He was going to go and talk to the other guy and listen to his side of the story. But I told him, you know, you're not going to get any more problem from me. You know, I'll be cool. But this guy needs to be cool, too. He needs to wait his turn. You know, it's just that simple. If there's three people in line, you don't cut to the head of the line. There's going to be problems. And these people, well, I don't know. They don't, they're not fighters. I, I am. I stick up for myself and for what's right, you know. And if this guy can't play along, well, then maybe he's the one that doesn't deserve to be here. Anyway, so that was pretty much the end of it. And that closed, for me, as far as I'm concerned, that closed the chapter of that book. The last round was fought, and I'm going to say it was a draw, you know, because the doctors had to intervene. They didn't let this take its natural course, which it should have, but that's all right. That's the way it goes. Well, I will leave you to close out with... Uh, oh, you know, let me just go on to say... If you want to get in touch with me or let me know how the show's going or what you think of the show, where you think it sucks, where you think it's okay, if you're one of the three people that actually listens to it, drop me a line. I am on Twitter at BenHer at T-C-C-I-N-D-Y. And drop me a line. Tell me what's, what you think, what's going on, and we'll go from there. I might write you back. Who knows? But uh, just don't get in my way in the bathroom, okay? All right, I'm going to leave you with Tom... Was it Tom Conti and his orchestra and uh, the theme from Rocky? Stick around, we'll be right back. Majesty's a pretty nice girl, but she doesn't have a lot to say. Majesty's a pretty nice girl, but she changes from day to day. I want to tell her that I love her a lot, but I gotta get a belly full of wine. Majesty's a pretty nice girl, someday I'm gonna make a mine, oh yeah, someday I'm gonna make a mine. And we're back. You're listening to Her Majesty by the Beatles. As far as that goes, uh, the Queen, Queen Elizabeth II, who recently passed away, has been taken to Bal- from her estate in Balmore in Scotland to Edinburgh the capital of Scotland, uh, to lay in state in the cathedral there, and she will lay in state and then make the trip through England down, back down to London where she will lay in state again. I think it's in the big church there. What is it? West, Westminster Abbey? Yeah. And then they will have the funeral, and she will be buried. Uh, all the morning festivities will end on uh, in 10 days on the 19th. And that's where we're at right now. Officially, uh, Charles III has been proclaimed the King of England, so England now sails with a new captain at the helm. God save the King. Let's see how this goes, and hopefully it goes a lot better. Okay, stick around. We'll be right back with more show.
And we're back. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Thank you for sticking around. Thank you for coming back. Well, uh, this is what happened to me on Friday. Uh, like I said, Friday wasn't a great day for me. It started out with much, much positivity. You know, I woke up, everything was cool. Had my coffee, had my little breakfast, then went off to my clinic. Got told some news there that I wasn't too thrilled with, but what am I going to do? That's life, and I got to roll on. So I come home after my treatment, and of course, the normal breakfast I had, then I really, then I then I'd take a nosedive, and I got to go to, I got to take a nap. So I'm dozing off, and it's about 1:15 in the afternoon. And uh, my phone rings. Now, normally I wouldn't have answered it, but I I don't know. Like I said, I was half asleep. I answered the phone, and the voice that greets me on the other end was, a, a purchase has been made on your Amazon account for an iPhone. You owe Amazon $900. They're going to collect today. So then the phone... I hear my my receiver ringing, and then somebody picks it up on the other end, and it's this Indian dude, and he's very polite, very nice, and he's trying to tell me that an iPhone has been purchased on my Amazon account, and I said, oh, that's impossible, I didn't order an iPhone, I don't have $900, and the next thing that happened should have been my first red flag. My first red flag should have been, actually and truthfully, my first red flag should have been looking at the caller ID on my phone, noticing that it was a private call. Now, if Amazon had, if somebody had made an illegal, illegal purchase on my card, on my account, then Amazon should have called me under an Amazon ID, but that didn't happen. So, the, the call continues... I'm like, okay, so what am I supposed to do? He goes, no, I will walk you through the procedure. What we're going to do is we're going to give you $900 to put in your account. That should have been my second red flag. So now I'm downloading these different apps that give these people control of my phone. So now they're in my phone. They're, I can see them moving things around. They're, they're telling me to do this and do that. And this guy, this guy has a really heavy accent. I could barely understand what he was trying to tell me. And I kept telling him, I said, dude, I cannot understand you. You know, your, your accent is too thick. Oh, oh no, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. So, so, I tell him, I say, hey, look, man, can I talk to a supervisor or somebody from the United States, uh, somebody that speaks very good English? Well, sir, I'm from the United States. And then I'm like, okay, well, that doesn't, that doesn't help me right now. I can't understand a damn thing you're saying. So now he's walking me through these different uh, apps where I see them manipulating things on my phone. That should have been my third red flag. Never give control of your phone to anybody else but you if you're listening and you're paying attention. So now uh, he tells me that they're... So, so now this, this other guy comes on that speaks a little bit better English and now he's, he's also got an accent. But he tells me, what we're going to do is we're going to send you the $900. And I'm like, okay. 
He goes, but first we need we need to get into your bank account. And that was my fourth red flag. Never let anybody get into your banking. You know, no matter how. But like I said, you know, I was not thinking straight. I was still half asleep. So now here's the thing. Just the day before, I had gotten a brand new debit card. And, um, well, it's like I told them, either either the bank, my bank is Security Service Federal Credit Union. Now, either these guys got some awesome uh, algorithms going, but these guys could not, could not access anything in my bank account. So now the backup plan was, do I have Venmo? I said, no, I don't use any of those pay services. They said, do you have Cash App? Cash App, do you have Cash App? And I said, yes, I got Cash App. I haven't used it in over a year. Because, you know, I used to funnel a lot of money to my ex-girlfriend. And, uh, like I said, I haven't used it in a year because we haven't spoken in a year. So, uh, we get into the Cash App. And we're manipulating this and that. And they're trying to send me $100. And it, it won't it won't fly. It won't go. So he says, okay, take 100 He goes, your, your cash app's connected to your bank account, right? I said, yeah. He said, send us $100 to this address. Now, I type up, I type in the address that he gave me of the person that I'm, or that I'm sending the money to, and I'm not sending it to Amazon. I'm sending it to some gal named Tanya. And the profile picture doesn't look like any kind of professional shipping company. That was my fifth red flag. So now I send them a hundred bucks, it goes into the account, and they're like, good, now we are going to send you, we're going to put the $900 in your account, so that we're, we're trying to put in $399. I said, well, why are we putting the whole 900 He goes, well, we have to do it, we have to break it into pieces. Well, the 399 is, the transactions keep failing, so now nothing's being put in my account. So this time, the sixth and final flag, the biggest flag of them all, pops up into my head and just starts waving in front of me. So I tell this guy, what is your full name? And he said, David Smith. I'm like, yeah, right. I said, do you have a way I can get a hold of you? Do you have a phone number and an address? He said, yes, I have a phone number and I have address. Why do you want these things? And I said, because I'm going to call the police and file a report, and I need a reference because they're gonna if you're if you're pulling a scam on me, they're gonna come looking for you and they're gonna come get you. Click. He hung up the damn phone on me. I was scammed. But fortunately, it was only for a hundred bucks. I still have a little bit of money in my account, and I have. Uh, Hopefully, I can stretch my my savings and, and, and pay all the all of my bills off this month. So now let's get back to this. So now I'm sitting in my in my room. I've been on the phone for almost two hours with these guys, and a sense of dread fills my fills my gut because now God, these guys got access to my phone, to my bank account. So the first thing I did is I called my bank and I explained to them what happened. And I said, "Yeah, I wasn't thinking. They got the they got they got me when I was at my lowest, and then they 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 I, they they took me. They took me for a ride." So what the bank did is they froze my accounts, they canceled my debit card, so now nobody can get into my accounts. 
So now they tell me that I need to go into a, a branch office to get my my uh, accounts transferred over to a new 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 account numbers to uh, get my debit get a new debit card and and everything that goes along with that. So Saturday I went into the bank, told uh, the agent my story. They had all my notes and information on the computer ready from when I had talked to the agent on the phone. And now we're in the process of transferring all my accounts over to new account numbers and getting me a new debit card. And all in all, I have to give the people of Security Service Federal Credit, Credit Union a big, a big shout out. I was only there for about 45 minutes. So this didn't take very long at all. So now I've got new accounts, new checking account, new savings account, and a brand new debit card. And we're going to see how this works. Uh, they said there in about 90 days they were going to contact me to set up my mobile banking so I can use the app again. And uh, we're going to go from there. So now it's back, once again, it's baby steps. So my advice to you is when you see a private call on your, on your caller ID, don't answer it because it might be somebody trying to scam you. It happens to the best of us. I feel like an idiot for letting it happen to me because I'm always touting the uh, how bad the world is and that there are always people out there trying to get you. And it was my turn at bat, and I got bit, and I got bit hard. Fortunately, like I said, it was only for 100 bucks, so maybe God, in his infinite wisdom, will see fit to let me win a little bit of something in the lottery so I can put that money back in my account and not be too bad off. So, be careful when you answer the phone. Know your, and here's the other thing, is know your accounts. Know what you got. Know how much you owe. Know your, and, and, and this is something I'm going to start doing from now on. I'm going to start rotating my passwords every few months. You know, because uh, so far I've been checking all my accounts and, and nothing's been touched. Uh, I'm not saying I put the fear of God out of these people because they don't, they, they're not afraid of nothing because they know there's no way you're going get, to get to them because these guys are operating out of somewhere in India. You know, so... Or if they're in the United States, they've got a clever scam going on and I hope people, I hope they get caught because it's just not right to do that to people. But I got bit and I'm trying to save you a little bit of trouble because now I got to go and I had to go and get all new stuff done in my banking and now I got to keep monitoring my accounts to make sure it doesn't happen again and you know that's just it sucks you know but what you gonna do every it happens to everybody at some point you get caught so be careful out there be diligent be watchful don't be too trusting unless you actually know who the person is. And even people you know will burn you sometimes. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. We'll be right back. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again With just my children and my wife I 
And we're back. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Thank you for sticking around. Thank you for coming back. Well, today is Sunday, September the 11th. It's a very somber day for a Sunday. Today, 21 years ago, the United States was attacked. A very horrible, very vicious attack on our government, on our people, on our American pride. What happened, if you don't remember, terrorists attacked and commandeered four jet airliners with the, with the crews and passengers intact. One was driven into the North Tower of the World Trade Center. Another was flown into the South Tower of the World Trade Center. The Twin Towers were burning and on fire. A third plane was hijacked and flown into the Pentagon. The last plane, the fourth plane, the passengers knew what was happening. They knew what their fate was going to be based on their actions. And the last words you heard over the over a phone was let's roll. They stormed the cockpit where the hijackers were flying the plane, commandeered the plane and drove it into the ground in Pennsylvania. They deliberately crashed the plane, killing all on board. So that plane would be flown into the capital. That's where it was headed. And so today we honor all the 3,000 that were killed. 3,000 people who went to work in the World Trade Centers not knowing that they would not be going home that day. I remember, I think everybody remembers where they were on that day. To this day, I do. And, uh... And I remember that day, it was, I think it was a Tuesday or Monday, I forget. It's been 21 years. And uh, I woke up because my radio was on and I, I woke up listening to a story on the radio that there was an explosion at the World Trade Center. So I woke up, I got, I got up out of bed and I turned my TV on and I'm watching ABC News with Peter Jennings and they're talking about an explosion at the, the South Tower of the World Trade Center. And as you see the tower smoldering and burning, as I'm watching in my horror, I see a black shadow. I didn't know what that was. But it turned out it was an aircraft. An aircraft. It was a 737 jet airliner. And it was barreling its way through the, through the skies of New York, headed for the other tower. And I sat here and watched as that plane crashed into the World Trade Center tower. And very little of it came out the other end except for a fireball. 
and uh, I could not believe what I was seeing. And then as I'm listening to further reports, you hear of other hijackings of air- aircraft um, in the at, in the Washington D.C. area, in New York, and uh, it was a deliberate attack on the United States. Who, who carried this out? We found out later on that it was Osama bin Laden and Al Qaeda in a very coordinated, very well planned effort to take over, to commandeer several aircraft and fly them into our major economic and political centers. Now, although the two, the Twin Towers did come down in a mass of burning rubble, which burned for days, uh, see, the thing about the terrorists, most people that live, that don't live in the United States really don't understand how we work. Uh, I mean, you know, in my travels, when I was overseas, people found out I was from Texas. They thought I had cows and a ranch and horses. And I was like, no, it's not like that. I come from the city. I've never I've never even seen a horse up close. So the terrorists thought by that by destroying the World Trade Centers, our economy was going to grind to a halt. It was going to completely shut down. But they had they didn't have a very good understanding of our economic system. What happened with the World Trade Center? I mean, the World Trade Center is, is is an economic offices there, but that's not the half of it. There, there are other buildings where Wall Street takes, takes does their business, and even even though although that's close to the World Trade Centers, it's not the same building. So you know, in that respect, they didn't really know what was going on. Uh funny thing is most of the terrorists were were educated here in the United States most of them were Saudis who subscribed to the who got uh, what's the word uh, they were Osamified you know uh, and uh, they were they bought the whole ideal of, of American expansion and colonialism and how we were the great Satan that we needed to be stopped but on a side note, there's something that I saw in another program. As you know, every, there, there's always different programs that came up about about the uh, the attacks. The attacks were actually supposed to be a bit more expanded. They were supposed to be attacks on the World Trade Centers, which happened, the Pentagon, which happened, the Capitol Building, which did not happen. And two other planes were supposed to be hijacked and flown. One was supposed to be flown into the Sears Tower in Chicago. And another one was supposed to be flown into the Transamerica building in San Francisco. Some of the tallest buildings in the country. But those two buildings were spared. Why, I don't know. I really never, never have never heard any follow-up uh, reasons for that. But we lost a lot of people that day, and little did we know, the war against terror was going to begin on that day. Thousands of men flooded their local recruiting stations because they wanted to do their part for their country. They were just upset and flabbergasted as to what had happened, how we got sucker punched by a coward in hiding in the dark, and... 
we wanted retribution. And retribution would come against a little country called Iraq that was being run by a dictator by the name of... What was his name, folks? Because it just slipped my mind. I know this is a very somber piece, but I'm uh, Saddam Hussein. There we go. Saddam Hussein would bear the brunt of the American... Well, see, what he did to begin with is he invaded Kuwait. I don't know if he was waiting for the right time or it was just a matter of coincidence that the 9-11 attacks happened and he did that. So the next thing you know, Kuwait is calling for help. So this is all the oil-rich states, so we're, of course we're going to jump in. And we sent in the full might of the American army, and we put a whooping on the Iraqi army, and that was that. Saddam Hussein was, uh, was killed, and we tried to put a democratic government in place really didn't work and they're still having trouble to this day but by that time we were already married in Afghanistan and if you if you follow current events you know you know you know the story so but back on that day when we stop and think about it if you were if you were there or you lived through it you know what happened you know where you were and you know what you know but there's a generation that was born after 9-11 that didn't suffer through it. And all they can do is learn about it in books and magazines. And in, and, in, in, and I, don't, I doubt that they teach this in, in class because they're too busy teaching about transgenderism and whether the kid wants to be a homosexual or a transgender or whatever. So they don't have time to teach 9-11. But these are things every American should know because this is your history. Now, did we cause 9-11? Maybe. Maybe we did some things that kind of, that was, you know, that did just set these guys off. And I don't know. There's still a lot of questions that haven't been answered about 9-11. There's a lot of conspiracy theories and we probably will never know the true reasons of why. All I can tell you is that if you know what you know, you have your own opinions and your own ideas of that, and I would like to hear them. You can share those with me on my Twitter account. Just tweet me at Ben-Hur, at T-C-C-I-N-D-Y, and let's have a little discussion about 9-11. What do you think happened? Why did it happen? And should we have even been involved in that war so there's a lot of people who don't think we should have gone to war with Iraq. But there you go. Uh, many things have been brought to light because nobody knew for sure. So let me know. I'm at Ben Hur at T-C-C-I-N-D-Y. Let's talk about it and we'll go from there. All right. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Stick around, we'll be right back with more show. There are places I remember all my life, though some have changed, some forever. Go. 
And we're back. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Thank you for sticking around. Well, that's all about, right now, it's about my life. I've never really told you much about me. Well, I guess this time to come clean. As you heard in previous uh, blocks that I've worked in my life. I'm not the kind of person that was fortunate enough to be able to jump from one job. And there's people out there that have worked 20, 30 years straight with no breaks in between. I've had a lot of breaks in between simply because I just I just wasn't lucky at getting hired. You know, I got lucky at some, some places and not at others. But when I worked, I worked hard. I played by the rules. I did what I was required. And sometimes I went above and beyond what was required. Uh, I joined the Navy in 78, two days after graduation. Uh, I volunteered for submarine duty because it was dangerous and it paid a little bit more. So I said, what the hell? And I was 17 and thought I was going to live forever. Haha. Boy, the joke was on me, right? So I served aboard two hunter-killer submarines, and don't get me, don't misunderstand. The word is as implied as a hunter and a killer. In the United States Navy, there are two kinds of submarines: hunter-killers and boomers. Boomers are the ones that carry the missiles or the missiles. <laughs> Sorry, I went, I went James Bond for a minute. Uh, they carry the the the, miss, the missiles, the Trident missiles, the Poseidon missiles, the Polaris missiles. Whatever happens to be in fashion at the time. Now, boomers tend to go out to sea for six months at a time. They have two crews, by the way. Blue crew and gold crew. So, the ship goes out with one crew, swims in circles, waiting for the order to launch her missiles. And if that doesn't happen, it comes back. And they, the, old, the, the crew that's on gets off. The new crew comes on. They load stores. And then they go for their six-month tour. Hunter killers, the ones that I was on, what they call fast attacks, would go out to sea constantly. You go out for two weeks, you come in, then you go down for a month in the uh, down to the range to shoot your torpedoes and be proficient at it and uh, do exercises. Then you go on long trips like a North Run or a run to the Mediterranean, which could take up to six months. Just depend depends on what what the mission's parameters are. Sometimes you get lucky and you get a, a run like the United's run, which I went on in 1978, late 78, yeah. We went to South America. Now, what happened with that, the run was actually supposed to go around the entire rim of the South, of the South American continent. But what happened was the ship that was originally doing the United's 20 run broke down on the way down the Pacific side of South America so she, we went in and relieved her, and we relieved her at the southernmost tip of South America, Argentina, uh, Punta del Este, and we came up the west, the uh, eastern coast of South America, went to uh, Punta del, del Oeste, Montevideo, uh, Recife in Brazil, Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, and then we went up to Florida for a little R and R. And then we went back to our home base in New London, Connecticut. Uh, 
and uh, had some adventures. Like I said, I, I was a I was a pirate. I was an 18 year old pirate at sea on a submarine, looking terrorists and around the, the the Atlantic, looking for the shit. So the shit never hit until my second my second submarine. We went up north and eh, got pretty hairy, and I really still can't talk about that because it's classified. <clears throat> so anyway, I came back got out of the Navy, which was the biggest mistake of my life, and I think I've mentioned that before. Should never have gotten out, should have stayed in. But I was young, I was brash, I was, I had a big stick up my ass. And that's life sometimes. So I got out, came back to a world that wasn't ready for me because I had no outside marketable skills. I tried to get a job with some of the uh, defense contractors, but they were also going through their turmoil because the, the government was in, in the process of uh, change of administration and money was tight and they weren't hiring. So the ones that got hired on were lucky. The ones that didn't, you were going to go fend for yourself out there in the world. And that's what I did. So... Uh, I'm looking for whatever I can find, and uh, let's see, what did I do? I went, oh yeah, yeah, I went back to school. So I went to school for two years at SAC. Was Thought I was studying engineering, but I really wasn't sure, and what I really should have done, I should have gone into teaching, because I really wanted to teach. I wanted to be a history teacher or a history professor in college. History was something I was always good at. So anyway, I went to I went to college. Uh, went on and was money was really tight, and so I got a job. Uh, what was my job? Oh yeah, I got a job at a, at a sporting goods warehouse. Uh, that was in nineteen. What is my work history? Damn. Because what I did for four, I did it for four years. Oh yeah, that's right. I worked. I worked in that sporting goods warehouse from from eighty uh, six to not about ninety. Then a friend of mine told me that he would he could give me a job with the adult probation division of Bear County. So I left the warehouse job and I jumped in with uh, adult probation, which was pretty good. I was making some pretty good scratch, uh, dealing with criminals. You know, you learn to deal with that. I mean, you learn to. I was always one that could roll with the punches. You know, there were some things that I was always did set against simply because I knew my limitations, and so. Uh, I was doing, I did that, and then I got into a pissing contest with my supervisor, and I took my badge off and put it on his desk and walked out. And uh, things like that happen, you know. So I left adult probation. Now this is 90, 98. No, 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 no. Whoa, 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 whoa. I got my, my work history all screwed up. Let's back up. Let's back up. Sporting Goods Warehouse. 
Then I went to... Oh, I worked at the comedy club. Ooh, I forgot about that one, because that's when I got into comedy. I was also a stand-up comedian. I went to a comedy workshop that was being offered. Uh, I saw it in the, in the current. Showed up, liked what I saw, paid my money, and it, for the next six weeks, I was going every Saturday to River Center Comedy Club and learning how to write, tell, and perform jokes up on stage. It was pretty good. I wasn't a bad comic, I have to admit. And um, then I got a job at the comedy club in 96, that's right. I worked there from 96 to about 98. Then I went to adult probation. Well, we're getting close to the millennium, 2000. And right before uh, I had my falling out with my supervisor, I had I was in a car wreck, pretty bad one. So I left adult probation, and I was banging around trying to find something, anything. It was rough. And then one day I saw that a well, guy I used to work with at River Center Comedy Club had died. He was the owner's brother, uh, Randy Buchanan, and he was a good guy. I liked him. So I went to his funeral over at Port Lawrence uh, funeral funeral uh, funerary at downtown. And so I went up to the coffin, paid my respects, paid my respects to the family, saw Colleen, my old boss, and her husband, my other old boss. And then I went and sat in the back of the chapel as people filed past and saw a lot of more familiar faces. And then I see the owner get up from his pew up front. His name was Bruce Barshop, by the way. And I'm watching him out the corner of my eye, and he's walking down the aisle, and he comes to the pew I'm in. And slides his way down till he gets to me. And he starts talking to me. Hey, how you doing? What's going on? Da, 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 da. So he said, what are you doing with yourself? I said, well, I'm in the process of trying to find a job. I said, it's rough out here. There's, there's nothing, you know. He goes, yeah, you want to come work for us again? He goes, we just opened a new comedy club at Park North. If you're interested, uh, give him a call and tell him I sent you. I said, okay. So it was a Monday. This happened on a Friday. And it was Monday rolled around. I called the club and spoke to a woman by the name of Michelle Cryer. I know I remember her from the River Center days. And she told me, yeah, come on in. So I came into the club, met the general manager at the time was Steve Puente. I remember him from my days at River Center. He and I used to work in the ticket booth together. Now he was the manager. I said, okay, cool. So we were talking in the office, and then he goes, you want a job? I said, well, yeah, sure. So I kind of fell back into the role there that I was doing at the at the at the club downtown, and then little little by little I started taking on more and more responsibilities. Yeah, because the general manager liked me. We got along well together. His name was Jeff Hines, guy from England. So I was taking on more responsibility. Then I ended up the assistant manager, and then I became a floor manager. I ended up working at that place for 10 years. And then at the end of my reign in 2018, the owner sold the club to another uh, corporate thing, I guess you would call it, the improv. And uh, they took it over and they made changes up and down. And one of the changes was going to be personnel. They started clipping the people they didn't want anymore because we were a bit too vocal and a bit too honest 
the boss that they had at the time was uh, Rebecca. And they didn't like her because she was a woman with balls. She stood her ground and she was right 99% of the time. And they did not like that. These were very misogynistic men out of Dallas and Houston who just didn't like a woman to take charge. They were all South Texans. So they clipped Rebecca. And I knew I was going to be next. And sure enough, in September of 2019, I got called into the office. And I just showed up for work. And they called me into the office and said, uh, we're terminating your employment. I was so half expecting it and so not expecting it. I didn't know whether to respond with outrage or violence or just say, okay, thanks, and walk out. They paid me my last check. I walked out of the club, and I vowed never to set foot in that place ever again. So it's been 2019, 20, three years, and I've never gone back. So that is pretty much my work history, because after I got fired from there, uh, I was already on dialysis, and three week, three days out of the week, my day is, is shot, and nobody wants to hire me because I'm kind of like a gimp, and I'm a liability. So that, that was the purpose at, at the comedy club. I was a liability. They didn't know what was going to happen with me. So it was just safer in there from their point of view to get rid of me. I get it, you know, I get that. So, so they were pretty shitty about the way they went about it, I, th I think. So, that's my work history. Now, there are some of you out there that have worked every day of your life in a job, other than taking the vacation time they give you, but that was never that lucky. You know, I'm thankful that I worked and I was, I was able when it was time to come and tip into Social Security, I had made my quarters of employment, so that was a good thing. And, well, here I am. That's life. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Stick around. We'll be right back with more. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Thank you for sticking around. We're almost done. This is the last second of the last segment. Well, it's been a rough couple of weeks for me. Uh, I've been going through quite a few changes, I guess you could say, with my health. And also news from afar that's not pleasant. I had a friend that died that I served with. Uh, and uh, he died of complications of kidney failure, what I got, uh, the things I can look forward to. Well, I, he didn't take care of himself. He just refused to, and that was his choice. 
I decided to play the game. The one thing I've never done in my life was play the game, and I'm playing the game, and I don't like it sometimes. The other thing is a friend of mine also, another friend of mine died by his own hand. That's the rougher part, because that could be me easy. I could easily just grab my gun out of, out of my drawer and put the barrel down my throat and pull the trigger at end of game. But I choose to play the game. I'm back in the chain gang. I'm back in the fire. What that means for all of us is we go by, go by day to day, doing what we gotta do to survive. We gotta scratch a little bit of this world every day. And maybe at the end of that day, you can smile, knowing what you know, experiencing what you experience, and moving forward one foot at a time. Because life is rough. Nobody ever told you it was easy. It never came with an owner's manual. It never said this is going to happen and that's going to happen. But it's going to happen. And you have to deal with it. You have to be strong. You have to bear the brunt of life. It's like Rocky said in Rocky Balboa. Life ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's going to hit you, and it's going to hit you hard, and it's going to try to put you down. And what you have to do is take those punches and get up and move forward because that's how winning's done. And that's what we have to do every day. It's compounded with me because I'm on dialysis. Now, I talk to my tech. We have conversations and we share our, our experiences in the military. He likes to listen to my sea stories. I like to his, listen to his army stories. They're very interesting for, for a kid that was in Afghanistan at 19, getting shot and shot at by, by uh, Al-Qaeda insurgents and the Taliban. And he's told me he's taken life. And I asked him how he felt. And he's like, I don't sleep at night. I said, why? Do you hear the screams? He said, yes. And without, without even missing a beat, he said, yes. I said, don't worry. I still hear the screams, too, on my end. I have screams that I listen to in the middle of the night. So that's the way it goes. But you and I and the rest of you who listen to this, all three of you, we move forward every day because that's how winning is done. It gets us to the end of the day, to the end of the week, to the end of the month, to the end of a year, and we start all over again. That's life. It's hard, it's ugly, but there's a beauty to life that sometimes we have to stop. When we see that sun rising over the desert, or when you see that sunset on an open ocean, with the stars all about you, wondering in God's awe and splendor of the beauty of the universe. It's an amazing thing, life. And it's hard to give up. A lot of us don't want to die. I don't, but I know I'm going to. And that's what I'm preparing myself for. I don't know if I'm gonna go out kicking and screaming or I'm just gonna close my eyes and let the angel of death take me away. I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. Like we all will, you know, you're no different, I'm sure. So, that's what we're gonna do. 
So I've been a little in the in the icky side of, of life, trying to sort out a lot of feelings. And uh, it'll be all right. You know, if I read a post from a friend of mine. She's going through a rough time. And I told her, all this, this too shall pass. It's a rough patch. We all run into them. There's bumps in the road of life everywhere. And some we have, we roll over with no effort. Some we have to climb to get to the other side. But you will get to the other side because that's the way life works. And it'll get better for you. So don't count yourself out. Just count yourself in a part of the big game and you're going for the win. That's all we can do is put our feet forward one in front of the other and move forward and get up off the ground and push yourself forward no matter how hard life's going to punch at you and it's going to punch you hard. You keep moving forward. That's all you can do. All right, that's what I that's what I try to do. Sometimes I fall, but I get up, I get up, I dust myself off, and I put one leg in front of the other and I keep on moving. Keep on swimming. You got to keep swimming. What was it Dory said? Keep swimming. Got to keep swimming. We keep moving. One foot in front of the other. Don't forget that. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hurst. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Thank you for sticking around. And if you know the show, you know that when you hear the Traveling Wilbury singing End of the Line, that's pretty much the end of the episode. If you stuck with it through the uh, the past hour, I hope, um, thank you for sticking around and I hope you enjoyed it. We talked about a lot of things. We talked about the loss of Farewell of Queens, being tough, sticking in the game doing your best until the end because that's all we any of us can do so you gotta just be strong and get through the day through the week through the month through the year like I said so I will leave you with my standard greeting which is or my standard departure I'm sorry which is live laugh love live today as if it's your last day on earth don't forget to laugh at yourself and everything else around you. Not, not, I'm not saying every life is a joke, but sometimes you run into some funny shit. You really, really do, and you gotta laugh at it. And then love. Love yourself, especially, and love everybody on this good earth, even if you don't like them. I'm not saying you don't have to like them, but you gotta love them, because they're human beings just like you or me. And sometimes I forget that. So, with that said... Uh, I guess I will catch you on the flip side until the next episode. Oh, by the way, you can catch me on Twitter. I'm Ben Hur at T-C-C-I-N-D-Y. Drop me a note. Drop me a tweet. Tell me what you think of the show. What you, you think it sucks? If you're one of my three listeners, you got to have an opinion. So let me know, and uh, we'll go on from there. 
All right, I'll leave you with the traveling wheelbarrows. Take it, George.